the dream job. Everybody knows how I feel. I don't have to give it a name, give it a title. Um, but I love this club and I want to do my best for this club. Hello and welcome everybody to the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Hey yo. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yep, we've had a little bit of time off. I've had some, oh God, what do you call it when you need to go get off work because you're really upset or you've had like a bereavement? Uh, bereavement leave. You've had a sabbatical. <laughs> yeah, I've had some of that today. I've had a couple of that. But I'm back. I'm back. I'm holding close my friend, close friend, would you say? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Close <laughs> friend. Idol. Father figure. <laughs> oh god many things many things but uh, how, starting again. Uh, my voice just keeps breaking but jim take over yeah before you just break down fully but i mean i can sympathize with you what we're obviously alluding to guys if you hadn't cottoned on so far is that fran lampard chelsea legend come manager has um been sacked after 18 months in the job um uh, midway through the season after the a win at Luton. Couldn't do much. Only as good as your last game. Um, but, yeah. S- simple question to start off, st- um, Lou. Was it the correct decision? No, I, d- I don't think it was. And we we spoke... Obviously, it's a hot topic today. And like like before, if you've been living under a rock, that's the only way you've not seen what's happened here. I even know that Stan's girlfriend said she likes Frank. And it's even, it's even transcended that. It's a big F today. And I, I think it was a big... Big, bad decision from Chelsea. I've said to you and Stan in our group chat, I feel like it's one of the worst, probably the worst of the Abramovich era. And that's a, that is a big statement given some of the, the bad shit he's done. Cause he is, he is a cold, he's a cold fuck Roman. We all know that. And I, I just think that you started to build a project. He took the job with the transfer ban. No one would touch it. Understandably. So why would you touch it? It's a potential, banana skin of a job where you've got to use the academy he took it got what was required minimum maybe even overachieved and getting Chelsea top four with that side given the other teams around him but still got to an FA Cup final and I feel like I just feel like it was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction because 50 days ago it was all rosy and we were top of the league but what do you think Stan? Yeah it's just weird I mean after Chelsea brought Frank in um, I thought they were changing the ways a little bit. Obviously, we know now that they weren't and maybe his head was on the chopping block the whole time and, and they just brought in a club legend to ease the fans with the uh, transfer restrictions that they had, obviously, in the first summer that he came into. But I thought he did well, um, you know, staying in that top four after losing Hazard and obviously having those restrictions. And, you know, we're six months into this season after him signing, was it six players or seven players in the um, in the window? Seven, yeah. I mean, we've seen it before with Spurs when Bale left. It's very hard to get that many players embedded into your squad and into a system that you know that you're happy with. Uh, never mind in a time with COVID when preseason literally didn't exist this season. You you, you know your first few prem prem games were preseasons, which is why we had so many mad results. I just think it's a little bit harsh. I mean, for myself, I think it's very rare that you'd actually sack a manager during a season. Steve Bruce is managing to meet those requirements at the moment, but. I don't think Frank Lampard uh, met enough of them for for it to happen now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, especially this season, it's been so chaotic. I mean, um, I've seen City be twelve points off the top, or nine points off the top, and sit twelfth on the table, and that's 
that's worse than what Chelsea is at, at this stage if Lampard's sacking um, Cook you mentioned the the coldness and the ruthlessness of Roman Abramovich um, he's sent so many top managers packing and I'm sure he'll <laughs> continue to do this would you say this is the most ruthless just because of it is um, I mean, for for some fans, rightly or wrongly, they they still look at, at Lampard as uh, our best ever player, and uh, but I feel like you have to look through it through a manager's perspective. I feel like it probably is the coldest, given that a lot of the fan base thought that we were going in a different direction and doing what everyone wanted for the best part of a decade and a half. We've been clamouring for someone to come through the academy, and then we've had a, a full a full basically a team come through the academy last season and it's every fan's dream come true that your best ever player is doing everything that fans want bringing through young hungry players that would die by the shirt and then for it just to feel like it's just gone up and smoked today and it just feels like what a waste of time because Tuchel comes in on an 18-month contract and as Gary Neville said before I feel like in eight months time we'll be having this exact same conversation saying, well, how do you expect Abramovich to, to keep going like this? Because I feel like it's unsustainable because you're going to run out of people that want to work for you if this carries on. So you need to settle, you need to steady the ship. And a lot of the fan base are gutted, me especially, because I I thought this was this was us going in a different direction, but it's just a step back in the in hindsight. Yeah, um, I mean, from, I've been very much from the outside looking in, and I think if if you do just look on the outside and judge Lampard's tenure on his successes, his, his tactical style and how his team has played, it's not surprising at all, um, especially given the club and the philosophy of Saki managers they've had since Abramovich just took over. It's not a surprise that he has gone because he hasn't impressed me um, as a manager. But... I read a really long piece on um, The Athletic and it was very good and it made me understand that Lampard signalled a change of culture at the club and we've all seen a few years ago and if you look at the youth cup who wins every year, it's, it's Chelsea, but you never see any of the players. They just go on loan and play for the test. Um, but this was a chance to stop the sack higher cycle bullshit of Chelsea and yeah, I know it's been so successful, but you're at a point now where you've won everything. Can you not go and see like a really likable side and and follow the same yeah. side for years to come? It's quite easy to draw parallels between United and Chelsea and, and Solskjaer and Lampard in terms of where they are and club legends maybe weren't deserving of taking the job at a time. And, and you know, obviously, Ollie's doing really well at the moment. I thought that Chelsea might see that and think, you know, let, let's let's back the guy. I mean, <clears throat> we we spoke about it off off pod as well with the fact that sometimes you need to kind of forget about trophies and realise where you are at that moment. I mean, it took City got took over in 2008. They didn't challenge for a title for four years. It took Klopp three years to do it. Even back at the start with Chelsea, it took them a number of years for them to mount a proper title challenge when Abramovich came in. And the last um, Chelsea side that won the league, it had Courtois in it, Cahill, David Luiz... Alonso, Matic, Kante, Victor Moses, Pedro, Hazard, Costa, none of them are there anymore. And Chelsea, like Cook said, this is the longest they've gone without winning the Premier League since they won the first one. Um, They need to rebuild a team. And I think now with sacking Lampard, they're going all the way back to zero again. And they've got to reset. And and Tuchel's got to bring in a a new culture and start to build a team again. And with an 18-month contract, 
kind of to me, I don't know what you think about Tuchel Cook, it kind of hints mm. to me that, again, they're not planning on him being there for very long mm. either. No, they're not. And anyone, like you can, outsiders might say to me, for example, that I was naive to think that Roman could change. But a lot of the people at the club thought that that's what was happening. And for this to be the replacement, Thomas Tuchel, who was sacked by PSG because he fell out with the board and he couldn't manage Neymar and Mbappe, is now coming into an identical situation where, like I said, I feel like he won't be the manager for 12 months, let alone 18 months. And that that is just a, it's a, it's a short-sighted decision made for instant success. And, that, and that's what that seems to be. And like I said before, with him getting the job, I feel like a lot of fans thought that it'd be completely different this time. But I, I wouldn't even say that he's he's got anything to be disappointed, really, because I wouldn't even consider it a failure, not at all. He, he achieved our goals, getting us into the top four last year, and he leaves the club in a much better position than when he picked the club up. You've got people who have come through to the team now that people hadn't even heard of prior, like your Tamori's Mount, Hudson yeah. Adoy, Gilmore, you've got all these good, like good players coming through, and and now I hope that Tuchel doesn't discard the academy now because it's been neglected for far too long. And look at the fruits of its labour. Yeah, yeah I mean, I th- I th- it's very fitting that um, Mason Mount was the last captain <clears throat> to play under Lampard because he's been such a. I think a he knew. Player. I think he knew he was gone. That's why he I did think, it. I, I think he definitely does because in the piece that I mentioned before. Um, it's said that Lampard was shaking hands with a lot of players after the Leicester defeat and apparently after the City defeat even even then and that was in December and that was the same when he was top of the league which is mental that it's quite clear that it's not just been you've not just rang Tuchel up yesterday you've been looking for a few weeks because it was so quick the turnaround of announcing both managers we knew he was coming in straight away and pretty much when it leaked that he might get sacked he was sacked like a few hours later Um it's going to be a bit of a philosophical question I can't even say that word Lou but Chelsea have been very successful and part of that is because of how ruthless Roman is and he sacks managers as soon as they're not doing well and it's won you the Champions League for the first time and it's won you many a Premier League but would you rather carry on doing that is that not a bit tiring um, changing manager every two or three seasons you've had ten in the past decade alone when yeah. Lampard was the real chance to like build, maybe Lampard wasn't the man in that in five years, he wouldn't have been there, but he could have certainly set something up for a future manager. I feel like this, this was probably the only chance to do that because you've got your best ever player. It's almost like a dream. Your best ever player becomes your manager. And then he builds a team in, in his image. And that is for any fan that, that just sounds amazing for any fan think of your club and then think of your best ever player taking over your team and then making an image a team in that image and for me that has to be the only chance and it looks like a missed opportunity now because we're going back to square one and it's all the young players I can say have held they can hold their heads up higher because they've gave nothing but a hundred percent I feel like it's the senior players that have let Lampard down your Jorginho's your Alonso's your Rudiger's and I just have to point out that Lampard made uh, Cesar Espelicueta the club captain. He's barely played this season in the in the league. He's been a bit part player to Reese James, another academy graduate I didn't mention before. But 
Rudiger and Cesar Aspilicueta clashed on more than one occasion, according to The Athletic, regarding treatment of young players and just general animosity towards the boss and be, basically being a pain in the ass. So Hiki is another one, can hold his head up high. That is how to behave when it's not going good. You you drag players up. You don't jump on the bandwagon like that. So I would say a lot of the young players and him especially can hold their heads up high. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think... So, I mean, ultimately, I think he just needed more time. I think he deserved more time. I don't think it was going as bad as... I mean, I don't think he needed sacking, I'll put it that way. And I think anybody will no need chance. time. I think, like you've said, it is such a new squad. And what I said before, going back, when did you win the title? 2017, so three and a half years ago. I think 10 of that 11 that I named aren't even at the club anymore. And the one that's there is Aspen Liquetary, you've said, is hardly playing. So whoever takes over this group of Chelsea players will need time to develop and trophies might have to go on the back burner for a little bit to get things right, to build the foundations. And just following on from that, I'll ask you now before Mr. Tuchel has even taken a game or maybe even a training session, do you think he will be at Chelsea longer than his 18-month contract? No, I I don't think he'll... Like I said before, I don't think he'll do a year. I don't think... That'll be, that's a, probably a big statement, but like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised next year. Boxing Day, New Year, that congested fixture list. Tuchel's not won in his last six, and we're having this exact same conversation. Yeah, I yeah. just feel like any proper fan, and not any non-like Twitter fan or Facebook fan, you all know who you are, but um, I would say any proper fan would say they would rather not win a trophy, any trophy for that matter, as long as four years down the line, He's built a squad that can compete on all fronts. It's a blend of experience uh, from abroad and homegrown. And it's a team built in his image to challenge on all fronts. Any proper fan would snatch your hand off for that. Then one Premier League under Tuchel and then just a manager merry-go-round. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think, think, think Tuchel oh, yeah, is in, in fairness to him. He's a top manager himself and he's he's gone into a, in a hard job in the sense that the squad is imbalanced to me. It's very top-heavy, but also that you're coming off back a Lampard. I mean, you're not exactly going to be on the, the fan side of things from the get-go, and that's through no fault of his own. That's the club's doing. Um, I think Lampard, what has happened as a lot of tension has been built up behind the scenes. Because um, on the pitch, like you say, yeah, they're going for a bit of a bad spell, but fuck, it's a bit extreme to sack him. So I, th- I think what Incredibly. has happened again is, is what always happens at Chelsea. Neville has said it um, today on Sky that the senior players and a lot of them just give up on the manager. Um, they just just don't believe in him and he's he's only been there 18 months and that is one of the coaches that Lampard was trying to change and he didn't even yeah. get the chance. That's so true. for as long as the board allow that to happen, you will get the Alonso's and Rudiger's. For example, whatever players force the yeah. managers out, they force Mourinho out, who's your greatest ever manager. So yeah, Lampard, who's had one year at Derby before coming, it's it's no war. It's not. It's not like it's tough for them to do that. It's no, if anything, the it's nature easier. of the beast. It, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a target for them kind of players. Um, no, it is. It's not. It's not for Lampard to get rid of him. The, the the squad is massive. Like there's so many Chelsea players. You don't even realize yeah. how they still have like so many on the books. Um. So as long as that happens, it's just going to be more and more of this. I think, like yeah. like Cooks alluded to, I think. The fans have had a bit of a reality check. Like you've said, I think Tuchel needs to get off to a good start. Uh, I think the Chelsea fans understand where they are. 
and where they are at this moment with the new squad and, and you know these young players coming through and these new signings, which you know young players plus brand new signings very rarely equals success or immediate success, should I say? So maybe yeah. it's time for Chelsea's board to get on on board as well with what's actually happening. Yeah, I just feel like today, like I said initially, I feel like it's it's probably the biggest mistake of the Abramovich era. And I feel like his stock has fallen a lot with fans today. I know he's lost a lot of respect from me today because, uh, like I said before, without rambling, it, we thought it was different. We thought that he was building for the future. And I just think that the the club and the board on a whole doing this today, uh, pardon my French, but they're a bunch of spineless cunts. Yeah, I've got Chelsea have got rid of a lot of managers. And um, I, I hope, because I, I like Lampard, I do, um, I hope that it isn't the, the breaking of him and it can go on to bigger and better things in the future years to come. Uh, I think over the last eight months at Chelsea, he would have done a lot of learning because it's very early on in his career. And one of the things was apparently that he didn't speak to a lot of the players. Like They they wouldn't go into his office because that seems a bad thing to do, isn't it? So Lampard wouldn't go and speak to players and like your Kepper and your Rudiger, for example. So he will learn now that what it takes to build a squad of his own and who who the players are that he needs to get rid of. Um, Stan, where do you see Lampard moving on now? Because he's so early in his career, he, he can bounce yeah. back from this, definitely. Yeah, I think he will as well. He's a clever guy and obviously he's dedicated to what he wants to do. Um, but I think it is a case of taking a step back to you know go too forward. I don't think it would be daft of him to drop down again into the championship um, or maybe going to the MLS or even dropping into that England setup. Uh, you know, Southgate was manager of Middlesbrough, did well in his first season, ended up getting relegated in his second, but then, you know, he was only young. I think maybe a little bit younger than Lampard was. Dropped into that England setup, you know, cut his teeth, got a little bit of experience, and, you know, now he's he's got the hot job in the country, arguably, as England national team manager. So uh, Lampard will be back. I hope he is as well. And, uh, yeah. Massive learning curve for him. It's just a shame it's, it's ended this way. Yes, ladies and gents, listeners of all ages, it is time for the bet of the week. Time to win some cash ahead of the big weekend, Saturday the 30th of January. So, early kickoff, we've got Everton versus Newcastle. We've got that under 2.5 goals. Of course, it's the early. We've got Wolves away at Crystal Palace. We've got Man City to nil at home to Sheffield United to the Blades. And to finish off, we've got Man United boasting score results away at Arsenal. So just to recap, we've got Everton versus Newcastle under 2.5 goals in the half 12. Three o'clock, we've got Wolves to beat Crystal Palace away from home. And then, still at three o'clock, we've got Man City at home to Sheffield United. We've got them boys to win to nil. And then, last but not least, we've got Manchester United. Both teams score results away at Arsenal. And Stan, if anybody's got any sense, what can they do with the information that I've just presented to them? They can. Shove it up the rackers. Uh... Stan, I'm a little bit hot. My head's a little bit hot. Virtually touch it on Zoom because we're, we're not in person. We're oh, not doing yeah. this in person. Jim, you as well. Look at my oh, head. fucking hell. That's... Slightly hot. Oh, that's right. I'll I've, your got, down. I've got cup fever. <laughs> I've come down with some cup fever this week. And to start us off, on Sunday, we have Man United versus Liverpool, Stan. They played each other very recently in the league. 
had a very droll nil-nil. They made up for it this week, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, definitely one for the neutrals, this one, but hell for the fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I won't talk too much about the game. Uh, I mean, other than that, I thought the game, well, the result of the game was probably bigger for Liverpool than it was for United in terms of, you know, Liverpool needed a win in, in a game like that to maybe kickstart the second half of the season. And obviously, like you say, they didn't end up getting it. They went out of the cup. Um, Back-to-back defeats now for Liverpool. They've scored, I think, I don't. Well, they've definitely not won a Premier League game since before Christmas. I think the only game they've won since Christmas uh, is against Aston Villa's under twenty ones in in the cup uh, in the last round. I think that was, wasn't it? So it's not looking too rosy for Liverpool. Like I say, they lost against Burnley at home. They lost that home record. Uh, played United twice in a week and didn't win either of the games. And I think both of the games he could have really done with winning at least one of them. Um, and I think maybe Liverpool of last year goes and wins both of them. Uh, obviously, disregarding the fact that United have improved just from their point of view. I just don't really know where it's going wrong. Um, I think there's a few different areas. Uh, I mean, what do you think? A lot has been brought up about the defence, but I actually think that the defence is the strongest part of the team, weirdly considering who they're missing. I think it's midfield and uh, an attack that's causing them problems. What do you think, Jim? Um, yeah, like, I know there's Reese Williams, who was at fault for a few goals uh, on Sunday, and he's had a bit of criticism, but it's not his fault that um, we're played our centre-backs. I mean, that should have been addressed before Van Dijk was the injury. And I would completely agree with your analysis of the attack. It's, it's kind of like how City began the season, where... Yeah, so you expect them to do so much because of the quality and what they've done over the last two or three seasons. But it looks a bit telegraphed. It looks a bit, let's give it Robertson and Trent and cross it in and see what they do. I, I think Trent's made a ridiculous amount of like, he's lost the ball in the past four games, a ridiculous amount. And that's just because he's just, he's just whipping crosses in and they're just nowhere near as successful as what they've been. Um, Carragher was talking about it after the loss. I think it was at Burnley. Um and he was saying, if you look at the Liverpool squad and you take out the goalkeepers, you put 10 outfielders, only Fabinho is the difference between the team that lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid. And I mean, you've got to change the team over three or four years. That's what Ferguson did so well at United during his era. And Liverpool may, might just be coming towards the end of that, this squad's, um, yeah, this cycle, as you say. And that could just be the problem because they're great players, but they just look a bit like running out of ideas. Um, and I think a few of the signs, especially Thiago, who looks very good on the eyes, it's like adding a triangle to a heavy metal band. He, he's just passing forwards, but Cyrus and taking extra touches when Liverpool aren't really about that. I mean, that, that's what I mean. Like you've touched on the centre-back issues and obviously they've spoken a lot about Liverpool's injury issues this season. But like you've already said, if you look at Liverpool's eleven. I mean, I know Henderson missed out of the weekend, but the one that played against United, they're only really missing Van Dijk, which would have meant that Henderson could have gone into midfield. And then that's arguably the best 11 on paper. Um, so I don't think they can blame the injuries too much. Um, but I do think, yeah, they've got massive... Like, I know you mentioned Thiago. I think it actually reminds me, Thiago, of one of my very earliest memories of, of United when <coughs> Cook will know because he joined them after United when United signed uh, Juan Sabah Veron, 
who was one of the best midfielders in the world. We signed him from Lazio, who just, I think, just won the league. Um, and obviously, we had Keane and Scholes and a system that suited us very well. We just won three on the bounce. I think we just won before he joined, I think. So you think, oh, adding that, for me, we're going to be unbelievable. And it kind of cocked everything up. We went into a three in the midfield, messed up the balance of the team and how we played. You were trying to squeeze him in all the time because you knew how good he was. But whenever he didn't play and we played Keenan Scholes, we looked better. So he is a great player, but it just seems that, I mean, Liverpool's midfield has been very pragmatic in the last two or three seasons. It's almost been like a vehicle between defence and attack in the way that they help the defence because they're very hard working, but they help the attack because they just win it and go, here you go, win it, here you go, win it, here you go. Whereas Thiago kind of wants to pop it around with his midfielders and get it back off his fullbacks. It just seems like they're overcomplicating things a little bit at the moment. And I spoke to uh, Heather, who's a Liverpool fan, and uh, we just were speaking about how Salah seems to have overcomplicated his game a little bit. I don't really understand why. Um, and she was just saying that it seems like ages since he's just got it cut inside and shot for that far corner. Uh, and yeah, I don't really understand. Like I say, it's an amalgam. It's a load of different issues, but I do think that the main issue is the fact that they've got, they're trying to change the style in a season that is so unforgiving points wise. Yeah. That, that, um, that directness has, has kind of gone from Liverpool. And I think it's taken Van Dijk to get a serious injury for us to realize that, Okay, he's amazing and world class. They're defending, but also on the ball, you don't see Liverpool knock it behind fullbacks anymore and run it, run into them spaces. Is what are you? We laughed at the route on football. They, they sometimes played, but I mean, it was so effective, and they seem to now be have cut that out of the game. And the the fanning about almost with Thiago, who, like we say, we can, we can all agree is a world class footballer, but sometimes even world class footballers don't fit into every system and. Cook, do you think we're missing, weirdly missing Diego Jota, who seems to be, the goals are dried up since he's been injured? Yeah, they are dried up substantially, it would it would seem. Stan alluded to Salah uh, overcomplicating his game before, and Jota was just firing on all cylinders, even when the other boys weren't. People were talking about him potentially putting Bobby Firmino out of the team completely, the, the way he was playing, and that, that just shows how highly they rate that guy and it just shows how high well how bad they miss him because they they just look almost one dimensional at this point Liverpool. Like like someone said, it's it's like a square peg in a round hole with Thiago. He is very aesthetically pleasing. He's does these no looks and obviously play players and fans love to see all that. It's it's just is it's Gucci. That's what it is. But <laughs> but he uh it's just not it's almost like what they wanted but not what they needed if that makes sense, for Liverpool. They didn't really need Thiago, but he was available and it's almost like, fuck it, right, okay, he wants to come. He is world-class. What can go wrong, almost? But it's, it's like Jim said, it's, it's hard. It was very unclop, I think. Very unclop because he t- likes yeah. to pick players, drag and drop into his system, that's it, and we go, nothing changes. But like you say, maybe Thiago came up and there was conversations that you wanted to go there and Klopp's brought him in and kind of thought, right, I've got him now. Let's see what we can do. And I don't think they needed to do that necessarily. And uh, also a play with such an extensive injury history. So yeah. It's kind of like they, they bit the poisonous apple almost and <laughs> they, shouldn't, they shouldn't have gone for it. I mean, um, it's, it's funny to me how quickly things have changed at Liverpool. 
you look at that front three in last season and it was one of the best front threes in the world. He was, he was the best front three in the world. But now they, just, they don't even seem to get on with each other, to be quite honest with you. No, no. It's, it's weird that that fluidity has gone. I remember Neville saying it when we were at, um, when we played at Anfield in the league last week that they just didn't look on it at all. Maybe they just need to try something completely different and uh, put Salah down the middle and uh, obviously get Mane, maybe try Shakiri on the right-hand side or something like that. They are missing Jota, but they just need to break it up. And I think out of that front three, the one who misses out has, has got to be... Has got to be Firmino, uh, and I don't think, honestly, don't think it'd do them any harm dropping Thiago out um, and trying to go back to how they were before. But credit to Klopp if he sticks with it, because like Jim said, they do need to kind of change. Uh, you can only have a team for so long, so fair play if he sticks with it and just does try and change into, into a different style. But I think if there was one area on the pitch, Liverpool might need to get some players in. It's those forward three positions are all touching 30. I don't think a new midfielder mm. and a change of style was exactly what they needed at this moment in time. But I think what they need is a few scrappy wins, which you just aren't getting. And they got a lot last season, those late winners, those 1-0s. I remember was, was there a 1-0 away at Norwich and they got a late penalty at home to Leicester. And uh, even this season, you look at uh, City was struggling to score, but they were getting scrappy wins. United were going behind, but turning it around. And I think, well, I don't think anybody can disagree that United and City are the best two teams in the league at the moment by a, a distance. So Liverpool, I think they will come good, the two good not to, but they need to get a few scrappy wins. And I think they needed one against United, but the, the next game Spurs. Mm. And if there's a, a team and a manager I wouldn't want to go to when I need... A scrappy win. It's uh, Mr. Mourinho at Tottenham with uh, Harry Kane mm. and Son doing what they're doing this season. Mr. Scrap himself there. But last thing on Liverpool, Jim, just want to leave this with you. Maybe Klopp's already thought of this. Maybe Klopp's thinking, all right, Genie's going to go. Genie's going to go Barca or whatever. His contract's up at the end of the season. Yeah. Next year, he can maybe put Fabinho back in the, the hole on his own, move Thiago to one of the left or right centre mid positions. And then whoever they sign in replacement of Genie, that'd be interesting to see. So he doesn't have to be the uh, the register on his own. He can play that's a bit if, more. That's, yeah, that's if FSG buy him a centre back. Well, uh, I was just about to touch on that. I think maybe watch this space with Klopp. I think if mm. if uh, the board failed to buy him a centre back, when they clearly need one, they need a stopgap. It's the most obvious transfer that should happen this window. And if that doesn't happen and they don't back him. It, things happen a lot, very fast in football. We talked about Lampard before, and that, it, look how fast that deteriorated. He, we, he, could, he might not be there next season. I know that sounds mm-hmm. mental, but I mean, the way when board and manager disagree with each other um, and they don't back the manager, especially Klopp, what, what else does Klopp have to prove to be back? Yeah. Yeah. Then he's kind of losing battle. He's pissing in the wind at that point. Yeah, there's yeah, no point in any sense. If a board's not going to back a manager, then why is he in the job? If you're not going to give him the players he wants, you may as well get rid of him and bring somebody else in who you're going to give the players to. And I don't think Klopp will stand for much shit. So he might let him get away with it in January. But if he gets to the summer and they're still being stingy about the players he wants, I don't think he's uh, the kind of mentality and personality to be a yes man and, and stay around for, for very long at all. So, like you say, watch this space, but I think they'll be all right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, in recent weeks, um, I know a few, have been in, a few of you have been wondering, and so have I, actually. Where's who am I? Well, out with the old, Stan, and in with the new. 
We've seen Tenable. We've seen Warwick Davis on that podium of his. It's a great, it's a, have I we seen him? Have we? Can, do we don't have any slander for Warwick. He's a great, he's a great host. There's the ice cream on it. You can hear it. <laughs> that, that was actually perfectly timed because that's actually the that's actually the tuning <laughs> process this game. Maybe, yeah, I was going to say maybe that can be our, our new unlicensed. What's that noise? It's time for elevenable. <laughs> yes, the ice cream man. <laughs> okay, so please don't copyright us ITV. Elevenable um, is don't be the like game. That. If you see, if you've seen Tenable, Warwick, he gets a category. And you have to name ten um, of the answers, and you get two life. You get one life, so two wrong answers, and you're out. This will work. I'll give you a star and eleven, hence elevenable. And you both get to take it in turns to get players out that star and eleven. Once you get your second strike, you're out, and most wins. So, do we get the, do we get the rules? Yeah, we get the rules. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll learn as we go. We'll learn yeah, as we go. Yeah, yeah, See, yeah. papi. We'll, we'll let we'll let Lou go first. Uh, and we'll take it in turns from there. Um, I'll introduce you to the side. It's a side in from 2017. It is, and we've just spoke about Liverpool losing at Anfield for the first time, and that was the first time since 2017 when Sam Allardyce's Crystal Palace beat him uh, <laughs> 2-1. So the side that I want you to name is Sam Allardyce's Crystal Palace, starting eleven that oh, beat shit. Liverpool. Away at Anfield late in the 2016-17 season. Um, this is what they call a baptism of fire, by it, the way. It is. It, yeah. These aren't going to be easy. All right. but if you think hard and long, you'll know all, all these right. players. All so, right. Lou, I'm going to ask you to go first. Okay, first player. Oh, please be right. Christian Benteke. Christian Benteke was man of the match oh. and scored two goals. Yes. He did. Oh, oh, so he did the he did the LeBron James then. I mean, Lou was in that, wasn't he? Um, so that's one for Lou and there, Stan. What, your go. Oh, not Liverpool play Bristol Stan. You're not having Manu. You look cheat. Scott Dan. <gasps> Scott Dan wasn't in the lineup. Ah, yes. Stan is early doors on his last life. Oh god. <laughs> yes. Horrible. All right. Oh god. Give me this. Okay. One. So okay. Lou. Oh, Patrick Van Arnold. Patrick Van Arnold wasn't in the lineup. No, Louis on his last live stand. No, I'm sure you know best by now, but you need a correct answer here. There's ten possible answers to get. Oh shit! So here we go. Oh fuck me. Okay, I uh, 2017. Where Scott Dan was there then? I can't remember who his partner was. That's why I went for Scott Dan. Um, Zaha. I don't oh, know. He's, He's got to have been there. He was. Right midfield. Wilfred Zaha. One apiece. Okay. One apiece. Okay, 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 okay. We're near a potential tiebreaker here. Um, I'll make a question up. Lou, your turn, sir. Fucking hell. Shit. <laughs> I'm done now, so please don't get this. Honestly. <laughs> my... Uh... My palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go for Luka Milovojevic. Stan Swain. And he should be because he was in centre midfield on the day. 2-1 to Lou. So we've got Aves. a striker. We've got a striker, a right midfielder and a centre midfielder. Plenty to choose from Stan. Okay, Whole yeah. back line. Um, uh, Wayne Hennessy. 
But he's such a scrubber. It's a controversial man, Wayne is. But he's in. He's in there. He's in there. He's two each. Fuck. Shit. That's it now. Honestly, that's it. Stan's just come right in this. He's like watching a heavyweight fight. God. Over to you, boy. This all hinge. My next guess all hinges on where my boy is playing at this time, because he is a bit of a club slag. Um, maybe think closer. Maybe think easier. Oh God. Wait, what positions have we got? I'll just buy you a little bit of thinking time. Cool. We've got Keeper. the full back four to go. No, we just had Wayne. Just had yep. Tennessee. We've got, we've got a full back four to go. We've got two more central midfielders and a left midfielder on the day. Fucking hell. Jeffrey Schlupp. Jeffrey Schlupp was at left back, he was. <laughs> got it, 3 2. Stan, <laughs> go right or go home. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um... Oh, no. Who was Scott Dan's fucking. What's Schlupp, Sam? <laughs> Schlupp. What's Schlupp? I can see the headlines already. What's Schlupp? What's Schlupp? <sighs> Um, I don't. I don't think he was there yet. Try and think about who has the cute touches on Crystal Palace back then. They only said Ben Me then. He's no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just that's just muscle memory. Andros Townsend. I don't think he was there though. That's that was my club slide one. I have a bit of confidence. He was right in front of Schluppy on that left hand side. Oh He's free. shit! Oh my that god! Was... <laughs> shit! Oh no! I've fucked it. Yeah. Five to go. Two two centre midfielders. Two centre backs and a right back. You know what? I'm gonna have a guess. I'm gonna have a guess. I don't even know if he was there at the time. Johan Kabai. Johan Kabai. Fuck it. That is an excellent guess. That is an excellent guess. Right in the middle of the park. Get in there, son. You good looking bastard. What the fuck did he play for Palace? Yes, get the fuck in. Uh, who was manager? Six sacks. Oh fuck me! Um, we've gone a lot further than I ever thought we would. Here, Stan. Nah, you don't uh, say you've done well. Four so, to go. Fucking hell! Four I've, to go. I've, eh? I've fully ran out now. I can't. I, um, the only bloke I can think of is that Delaney, and I don't think he's there anymore. So I'll go with him because I fully can't fucking think of any. It all comes down to this. He's not in it. He's not in it, Stan. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim, mate. Jim, can I give you my next you... guess who I think my next guess was? Go on. I was going to say Sacco. No. No. Oh, I'd have been fucked then. So, there you have it. 11 bolt. Lou wins this one on a great score of 4-3. to three. It was a great game. I think we went further than we thought we would with this Palace team. But, missing, I'm sure you are eager to know. Right back, Joel Ward. Oh, the centre back pairing, the centre back pairing on the day, is Tomkins. Ah, that's yeah. That no way. Who was the bloke who played next to Scott Dan all the time? Was that and Tom? and mm. guys? Newly Willows his own Martin Kelly. <gasps> oh, oh, oh. Do you know what? I forgot he could play centre back. I wouldn't have took that risk ever against just... his old team. And then finally, you're punching with Jason. In the middle there, Jason punching. Oh, punching playing centre midfield with Kabai and Milohoevich. 
Right. There's. I didn't know Kavai or Punchin ever played for Crystal Palace. So oh, Punchin played for Palace for time. Have some respect. I probably did it somewhere, but yeah, I was never getting them. It's, it's somewhere there up in your brain, but you just couldn't reach. You couldn't get into your mind, Palace, like Luke. Oh, wait, well, if, if that's the level of an elevenable, then. Uh, well, I'm, Stan, you I'm get struggling. you get a life, so I've got to make it a bit hard. Mm. You know, and it's right. topical. So yeah, there's the, there's the debut of eleven eleven ball. How do we think it went, guys? Yeah, play along at home. Get get a couple of mates. Socially distance, of course. And uh, yeah, pause it where you see fit and play in elevenable with me, Stan and Jim. Boom. So. Managers under fire have been a bit of a theme of this episode and managers that have indeed been fired. But one who's on the brink is definitely Steve Bruce. We've been speaking off mic, you know, in the biz. And we've just been talking about Brucey and Newcastle. Some fans have been told that this is the level that you're at with Brucey. Jim, Newcastle fans are getting scorched for dreaming by the looks of it. Yeah, they must be sick of sick of seeing the clips on Twitter and listening to pundits and football personalities go on about how Bruce is doing all he can and um, sometimes Newcastle fans' aspirations can be too high but I mean, if if you can't aim higher than Steve Bruce then, sorry but the Premier League isn't cut out for you um, Steve Bruce's Newcastle have been playing just some of the most the least inspired, should I say football in the league Um I don't think they've scored a goal this year, have they? Um, and he was the first team to give Sheffield United the the win, and we could all see that coming with the way they're playing. Um, Stan Newcastle, the seven points clear of relegation at the minute, but they're in free fall. And I, I, I've not checked the stats, but I could imagine that if you looked at form of the past six, seven, eight, maybe even ten games, they're right down there in the bottom three. Yeah, um, it's not looking good for them at all. Um, I think, yeah, last five, they've drawn four and uh, drawn one and lost four, sorry, should I say. Uh, and like you say, a lot of people out in the media protecting him, comparing him to Rafa Benitez or Rafa was at this many points at this stage and Bruce is at this many points at this stage. But Bruce's football is definitely worse than Benitez is and uh, Benitez also will get time because of who he is. You're going to put up with the way that he does it. You're going to trust how he does it. Whereas when Steve Bruce is playing that way, you've not really got any hope of, of, of where you're going. Um, and yeah, if, 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 if all you watched uh, football for was, oh, well, this many points at this stage of last season, then all you'd look at is is the result and, and that'd be it. You wouldn't be interested in how the team plays or, you know, how much passion or desire or anything. And, and Newcastle just lack it massively in all areas and I think that the squad is is underperforming 100% with the you know you've got players like Almiron who I think is a tidy player Fraser and Wilson Wilson scored goals in the in the league for you know years now uh, St Maximan who I think is a very good player Fabian Shah Dubravka and they, they signed you know Jamal Lewis at fullback who Liverpool really wanted um, so they've got a decent core of players and uh, I think if there ever was a time to get rid of a manager during you know the middle of a season, I think Bruce is meeting a lot of those requirements for for Newcastle to move him on. Yeah, they've got actually when you look at the squad, they've got a very got a very good defenders and a very good backline, and both the keepers, Darlow and Dubravka, have proven that they're great shot stoppers, and they've even got that bit of flair in there and like attacking 
presence in, like say Amron, say Maximan especially, who seems to carry the team on his shoulders when he plays. I know he's been out for a while, but a lot of the pundits who've been sticking up for Bruce Lou have been saying that he's doing all he can with this squad and it's just not good enough. But when you actually think about the squad, do you even share that sentiment? No, I don't. And maybe that's because I'm I'm not too close to it like he is. I feel like his he's tactically inept at this point, Brucey. He's literally just copying what Rafa Benitez has, has done for Newcastle. He showed nothing of his own image or his, his style of football, like you've both alluded to. They've got the players that can score goals, creative players, Almiron, Saint-Maximin, Fraser on his day. Shelby can unlock a defence when he can be asked. Wilson, easy, gets you 15 league goals a season. And he's an England international. So I just think it's a cop-out and it's a load of bollocks that the, the players aren't there. Show some tactical nouns, have a bit of an identity yourself and get the most out of these players. Otherwise, you're going to get relegated and the team's going to get picked apart the following season. And I don't I don't think Newcastle fans are, are asking for a lot. Obviously, they're a really devoted set of fans. They've got a brilliant stadium and, you know, they're, they're one of the biggest teams in the country, 100%. And there is a way that you lose. I know that sounds stupid, but a lot of football fans will understand what that means. And, and you know, right now, Newcastle are, are losing in the worst way possible. It's completely uninspiring. No passion, no desire at all. And, and you know, the football is probably the worst it's been it's been in quite a while, so it's really not good signs for Newcastle. I think looking at the squad, I know we mentioned off mic that you know who can they go and get, and I think Eddie Howe would be brilliant. You know, go and get him from Bournemouth, who are doing well in the Championship. He set up a culture at Bournemouth, uh, you know, a way of playing, and you know he got a, a group of players all fighting for each other. And I think that's exactly what uh, Newcastle need, and uh, it's yeah. a big move that for him going from the south coast all the way up to the northeast. It's probably not a bigger distance to travel for a change of managerial, uh, you know, job. But uh, I try and it's entice a him. Train for to... that, I'd it... say. Listen, if it a twenty-four is. hour, if a twenty-four-seven Greg's isn't going to get Eddie Howe up there, then I don't fucking know why. Well, maybe that explains why Bruce has stayed there for so long. <laughs> well, I think, I think from the outside looking in, uh, obviously I don't watch Newcastle every week, but. I think Bruce has just thought, oh, yeah, I have some really good centre-backs here and good players in front of him. So let's just like, let's just play as many as them as we possibly can and just scrape a sur- surviving in the Premier League. Because, I mean, it was the other week when they played Sheffield United and they, they had a five-back with Hendrick and Isaac Hayden in front of him. And it's like, that's just like the least amount of optimism I've seen in some time. And I think if the fans were there, and I, Bruce is very lucky they aren't there, COVID is happening because... They'd be rioting at this point. It's so there's more to football than than winning, and they're not even winning, like you say. They're losing the worst possible way. You look at the table; they're right next to Brighton, I think. And but stylistically, when you watch Brighton, you're entertained. Like they might lose games, they might not get there eventually, but it's the miles apart from Newcastle when you actually watch them. At least they're going for for it, and they've got a culture and a particular style of playing that you know you can get behind as a fan, even though you might not be scoring as many goals, uh, you know, as Brighton would like to be. But Newcastle just don't have anything, and I think if they keep Bruce till the end of the season, they'll be without him next season and probably playing Championship football as well. 
Yeah, it's that time of the episode that everybody dreads. It's the time that we have to say goodbye. But if we haven't give you enough in this episode, you can follow us all on our social media at Cookie Podcast, followed by the number one on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to listen to our latest pods, just head over to our socials. We'll have it as the pinned tweet or we'll have it the link in the bio. And yeah, hopefully you all stay safe. If you want to find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, just search in That's The Way The Cookie Crumbles. And yeah, stay safe and I hope you all have a good weekend, baby.